This is like a police day today, isn't it? Thank you, colleague. <laughs> Let's pray for a moment. Lord, we have so much for which to rejoice this morning. We know that Christ is risen. We know that he is here. And we thank you for that. We pray that by the Holy Spirit we may meet with him afresh as your word is open to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me apologize to you for something I've got in my pocket. That is the PowerPoint, which is not going to happen this morning. So it didn't work. I'm sorry about that. I apologize no end. But when I get it to work, come next Sunday and we can see it. Okay. Today we celebrate, do we not, our Christian faith. And it's moved in musical terms from the minor key to the major. Christ is risen. That's not just a phrase, it's a fact. And we thank God for him who loved us so much that he gave us his life through death. The American black preacher, Martin Luther King, stood up to preach on Good Friday in the afternoon and the title of his sermon was, and I wish I could use his accent, but it was something like this, God, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. And that's just exactly what has happened. And we know that this whole weekend from Good Friday with the sacrifice we remember and the risen Lord Jesus as he is today. That first Easter morning, the women who took the spices to anoint the body of Jesus found the tomb empty and heard angels say to them, what did he say? They say, he is not here, he is risen. I wonder if their hearts went down for a moment when they said to them, to Mary, he's not here. Or had they had the whole sentence, he's not here, he has risen. We thank God for that. But in a sense, because they went back to the disciples to talk about what the angels had said, they didn't really believe. And incredibly, it was mind-boggling. It was something which was so difficult, was it not, to be true. And yet, if it were not true, millions today would be celebrating a myth. We celebrate a fact. Because Jesus has risen and lives today, this news is too good not to be true. And that's why we rejoice here this morning. Jesus died to pay a debt that he didn't know. Because we owed a debt we couldn't pay. And I say that again. Jesus died to pay a debt that he didn't owe. Because we owed a debt we couldn't pay. Up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph over his foes. He arose the victor from a dark domain. And he lives forever with his saints, you and me, to reign. And that really is the theme here this morning. And I believe, frankly, that this resurrection not only is a fact of history, but it demands three things. To live with a response of faith to the risen Lord Jesus, to live a righteous life for the Lord Jesus, and to live the reason for our life in the Lord Jesus. He said in Matthew chapter 16, if anyone would come after me, 
He must deny himself and take up the cross and follow me. So the cross is with us all the time. We mustn't forget that. Although Good Friday is past, we have to take up the cross and follow him. He also said, whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. That's why we have new life in him. What good will it be for someone if they gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? That's our message, is it not? To our friends and neighbours and to our family. There's a real sense that in letting go of our ambitions and letting go of our priorities, family, business, sport or other interests, that we die to self and allow him through the Holy Spirit to confess him through us. If we're in the way, then that message doesn't get out. Paul said to the Ephesian Christians, You were dead in your transgressions and sins when you followed the ways of this world. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ. When we were born again, we were made alive. In a sense, we were resurrected as with the Lord Jesus. So to complete this response of faith, we need to confess our sin. We know that because Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Our fellowship is with God and his Son, the risen Lord Jesus. We accept his cleansing. We have new life. The two facts go together. And that, I think, brings us to that second demand of which I spoke, that to live a righteous life, we must, check, we must follow the Lord Jesus. Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. I read the other day that a person who is blessed tends to stand out because their character is deeper, their ideas are fresher, their spirit is softer, their courage is greater, their leadership is better, their concerns are wider, their compassion more genuine, and their convictions are more concrete. They're joyful despite difficult circumstances. Are you one of the blessed of whom Jesus speaks? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. It means that we have to purposefully strive to have a life which is so upright that immediately it's markedly different in this world in which we live. We should be coming back constantly to the risen Lord Jesus for forgiveness and cleansing and strive in his strength, not our ability, but in his strength, the risen Lord Jesus. And as Paul says in Philippians, our attitude should be the same as that of the Lord Jesus. He made himself nothing, humbled himself, and became obedient to death. If you think about that, it may seem rather extreme. But we make ourselves nothing. That's our way of life, our ambitions, our hopes and our fears. We die to self in that way. And it's an ongoing instruction. And as Jesus himself said to his disciples and to us, seek first the kingdom of God 
and his righteousness. Paul rounds this off in Romans chapter 14. The kingdom of God is a matter of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit, a life which is wholly committed to the risen Lord Jesus, which displays the fruit of the Spirit, of love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. That is following the Lord Jesus that is being committed to the Lord Jesus. That is the fruit which comes from our righteousness in the Lord Jesus. So I've mentioned here we must first make our response in faith. The second, we must live a righteous life. And this third demand, to live the reason for our faith in the risen Lord Jesus. I read the other day of a routine check at Zurich Airport when the Swiss customs agent stopped an ordinary-looking businessman and asked him, have you anything to declare? And he simply replied, looking this man in the eye, I have nothing to declare. But the customs agent had an inkling there might be something wrong, so he said, may I look in your case, please? And with a slight hesitancy, the businessman gave him his case and when it was opened, between the shirts and the underclothes and the sweaters was a scrapbook. It was a scrapbook from Picasso, worth millions of dollars. Nothing to declare? We as Christians have something to declare. Surely if we live, we've got to say, yes, I have something to declare. Sadly, the Christian church is known for the fact that it's rather reticent. It's rather apologetic. But we have something to declare, have we not? I think it's too easy to make excuses and say to the world we have nothing when we have everything. We've been given new life by being born again, which brings, I think, an incredible responsibility. As Paul said, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. We have been born again, but that's part of an equation. That's why the word therefore is there. Read on. Therefore, we are Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We're his ambassadors. An ambassador serves a living government, a living prime minister, a living monarch. Do we not serve a risen saviour? He's alive. He's made us alive. And surely our ambition is to see others come alive in the Lord Jesus. Peter helps us to see what that means. In your heart, set apart Jesus as Lord. If he's Lord of everything, then he's Lord of us. Then, he says, always be prepared to give an answer or a reason to everybody who asks you. Why it is you have that hope? Surely with Jesus as Lord, we could never be speechless about our faith. Wasn't it the Imam who said to the last Archbishop of Canterbury, the problem with your followers is that they keep stum, that was the word he used, about their faith. We've got something here to declare. Why don't we declare it outside as well in all our living there should be a readiness to answer with gentleness, 
Yes, and with respect. The command is to love one another as he has loved you. And that love is not a natural instinct. Because there are some people who are not lovable. And yet Jesus says love. He also says love your enemies. These are things which we cannot do by ourselves. But by the risen Lord Jesus and his Holy Spirit we can do so. Why don't we pray, Lord, when I'm with non-believers, may I become aware of the cheerless voice or the weariness of family or work, the tired eyes, the need of comfort, which I might easily overlook without your Holy Spirit. Lord, may I have love which springs from your love. May I be a listener with your concern and be given the words to give the reason which might attract people to you. As George Herbert said in the 17th century, there is much preaching in this friendliness. There is much preaching in this friendliness. The story is told of a father who, while reading his newspaper, came across a map of the world. He thought he'd set his 10-year-old son a challenge, so he cut it up into little pieces like a jigsaw puzzle gave it to his son and said try and put the map of the world together and in about 10 minutes his son, his 10 year old came back to dad and said I've done it and his father was incredulous how does he know the map of the world how did you do it son he said I turned over and I could see that it was actually a man so I put the man together and that was the world now that surely is a story for us, isn't it? We can't change the whole world, but through us, men and women and children can be changed. They too can want the life that we already live. So today, yes, we celebrate the Lord Jesus. But I've mentioned there are three challenges. In our celebration, if it's merely in words as we sing... Well then, it becomes nothing. But if it's in practicalities as we serve, because we've been renewed, and that commitment that we have surely makes others see and want what we've got. Are we a sort of life that people long for? Were the whole realm of nature mine? That were a present far too small. Love, so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Three months ago, exactly today, on the 31st of December, I asked from Scripture two questions for us all, including me. The response from Jesus, I mean, he said, why are you searching for me? And... What do you want me to do for you? I wonder if we've answered him. Father, we thank you again for this Easter day. Lord, as we renew our pledge to you, fill us, we pray, with your Holy Spirit, with the joy of believing in the risen Lord Jesus. And make us, we pray, worthy servants, ready to give a reason for the hope that we have. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.